The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. from her closet high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, Leanne Philipson. Stepped on the scale lately? If it's showing a number back at you that's not to your liking, what is your first thought? I'm going to guess that most of the time it's a, hmm, I think I need to eat less. Well, it's January right now, and it's a time when we're all more focused on making a change to our diet and to our lifestyle. And perhaps, like my mom used to say, it's a time to button your lip, meaning that she wasn't happy with her weight, so it was time to eat less. And really, what that looked like was a whole lot of depriving herself of calories from her little calorie counter book that kind of seemed to follow her everywhere she went. Sure, there are a bunch of diets out there that people follow from keto to Atkins, Whole30, and even the carnivore diet where you only eat meat. But I'm actually going to say that most of what's ingrained in us or even like our default pattern is one of the first thoughts that most of us must have is to think, hmm, calories in, calories out. We've been indoctrinated or even brainwashed into thinking that calorie counting, count them on your plate, whatever you've got in your bowl or the bag of whatever you've got in front of you, and measuring what you burn from your normal body processes. Let's say you're just laying on the couch, you're going to burn some calories. And then maybe because you've done some exercise and your Fitbit or your Apple Watch or whatever is saying that your walk, your run or the hit class has just afforded you another few hundred calories. Well, the theory is that when you figure out how to create some sort of deficit in there somewhere, then you'll end up with the slim, the beach bod that's worthy of the bikini or the board shorts and that's for you guys out there. Please, chaps, spare us the speedo with <laughs> with the flat abs or the six pack. Like, what what's the ultimate goal? Is it being healthy? Or is it about finally being happy with yourself when the scale hits that magic number that maybe actually was more from when you were like a teenager? Thinking that you'll be happy when you're a certain weight is worthy of a whole other episode. But also, we discussed that on episode 28 and 29 when we delved into intuitive eating and body image. Today on Eat This with Leanne, we're going to deep dive into the holy grail of calories in and calories out and see if we can answer the biggest question that I often get asked. Are calories created equal? Yes, who said button your lip? That's the difference between your mom and me is that uh, she says button your lip and I say unbutton your pants so you can get more in, right? <laughs> That's a good way of doing it too. Yeah. Your mom but and I no. would not get along. <laughs> no, no. My mom was obsessed with being slim her whole life. So she's like, time to button my lip. 
Like I heard that all the time growing up. So when I say that, it's 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 met with a bit of a oh mom, I'm sorry that that's how you felt. You know, yeah. the whole the whole of your life that that was where you went to instead of like oh that was so good. Tom Dunn burnt your pants, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's what you do, right? You have turkey dinner and then you you lay down on the couch and you unbutton your pants, right? Right, exactly. Because yeah. it, it feels better. That's right. Or in these days of of isolation and quarantine, yeah. then, then you just got your stretchy pants on anyway, so there's nothing, nothing to unbutton. If you could buy stocks in elastic waistbands, if that's a thing, man, I'd be a millionaire by now. Yeah, man. Absolutely. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? All the email all the email blasts that you get are not about office wear anymore. It's like the sweats. It's about, yeah. about the comfy, so many more pajamas. It's like, it's just, yep. that's how it is. So who wins by counting calories? Is it your waistline? Is it the hole that you use to tighten your belt comfortably around your waist? Or maybe it's half half of your closet that's waiting for you for your body to go and fit back in them again. Or is the winner your health? Maybe it's a way to avoid diabetes, heart disease, or the feeling that somehow you're more worthy because you've gone down a dress or a suit size. Nope. The big winner here is the food industry. Now, I don't often go into this kind of thing, but I really feel with this particular topic that this is something that's been pretty consistent. They win by having you think that all calories are the same. You go and pick up a package and you have a read of one thing and you read of the other thing and then you make a decision because it's all come down to numbers. That's pretty easy. By the calculation and the number crunching and the calories listed on, say, a can of pop, well, that yields about 150 calories. That's somehow equal or to the same of eating a cup and about three quarters of blueberries because that also adds up to 150 calories. So what does the pop give you other than a bit of fizz on your tongue and about 10 teaspoons or more? Then when you look at the nutrients that you get from the antioxidant-rich blueberries, well, they can support your immunity. They can reduce the risk of diabetes, not contribute to it like the can of pop. They can reduce the risk of heart disease, obesity, strengthen your metabolism, and even reduce inflammation. So how on earth is that 150 calories any kind of comparison? Look, the numbers don't lie. This is science. If you sit with that thought as you type your last meal into the apps like MyFitnessPal, there's something called Lose It Out There, or <laughs> Fat Secret. Who came up with that name as an app? I mean, that's just awful. No, it's not. No, that's great. See, that's the one I would end up downloading. Yeah, because I, <laughs> because, yeah, because I want you to be absolutely and utterly honest with me. Like, Got it. So Lose It is not going to, no one's not going to work for Chris. It's not enough of a picture so that he knows that it's for him. Come on people get with your marketing (laughs) okay so these apps well they count your daily calories and for a lot of people it's your go-to measurement but really just take a second let that sink in my mind goes to a total WTF. I mean, come on, you've got to realize that this is just looking at one comparison. By counting these calories, it's a number that's associated with one aspect of food. It's a ludicrous measurement of healthy eating and even losing weight. Layer on top of the pressure of if you just ate less and exercised more, you'd be slim, trim, and maybe even healthy. 
oh, and if you can't cut back on the calories and stick to 1,500 calories a day, what's wrong with you? Where's your willpower? Come on, people. There is such heaviness around the whole topic of calories. And even if you don't realize it, my sister even the other day said to me, I've topped out my weight. I'm not feeling good. Maybe I should start looking at calories. And that was her go-to. That was just where she went to immediately. And I just looked at her and I said on you know FaceTime, really? That's really interesting that that's where you went. When this whole way became such an important part of our eating. Like it's a paradigm, I think. It's totally skewed. So in this episode, I hope to start to turn around that thinking, to start to help you to think other ways about the food that you're eating and the calorie counting. This with Leanne. Very typically, the calories in and calories out, well, that comes down to your metabolic rate. How fast your body actually, well, it's the mitochondria within the cell that eventually uses those calories from what you've eaten because it turns it to energy. And that's what keeps us going. That's the gas, the fuel in our tank. Interestingly, if you ate exactly the same calories every single day, but focused on low carb, and higher fat, your body from a metabolic baseline would burn about 450 more calories a day because of the different effects of the macronutrients that come from those food and how they influence what your body does within its metabolism. Now, remember that your metabolism is the rate at which your cells burn calories. I've actually had clients say that they call their metabolism the amount of times they have bowel movement every day or every week. So just let's clarify that one, that it's nothing to do with the toilet. It's all to do with how is your body using the fuel that you're eating as energy. If you have more muscle mass in your body from doing some resistance type training where you're using your body doing push-ups, let's say, or you're picking up some weights, you're doing some lunges or squats or anything like that, then your metabolism is naturally going to be faster. The more muscle, the faster your metabolism. If you're more of a couch potato, the metabolism tends to match that speed, which is slow moving. So saying that you need to eat X amount of calories for your body weight, let alone your gender and your age, does not take into account all the factors that contribute to your weight. Well, I mean, because it can't calculate your muscle mass unless you've got a really fancy scale. And even then, I wonder about that accuracy. We live in a world where it's really not so easy to change this kind of thinking. For instance, let's say you headed over to the site that I checked out called the Endocrine Society, where you might go when you're having some sort of hormonal issues. Well, that still says that weight loss is all about calories. With that messaging, it's just really reinforcing this inaccurate philosophy. Really, thinking about food as a number, it seems completely limiting. There's nutrients in there. There's there's phytonutrients, plant nutrients, antioxidants, there's so much in there that does not come into this one number. Measuring energy and food isn't the whole picture. Just as stepping on the scale, knowing what your weight is, does not tell you how healthy you are. 
The calorie as a nutritional unit came into the U.S. by way of a man named Wilbur Atwater in 1887. Not long after that, the science of nutrition began to take hold. There was an early nutrition text published in 1918 by Lulu Hunt Peters. Now, she outlined the first method of counting calories. So apparently she had a bestseller called Diet and Health. And with the key to calories, she actually outlined a whole bunch of 100 calorie portions of many foodstuffs and really started this association of counting calories as a way to regulate weight. Now, sadly, she even went so far as to say, if you're hungry, you're winning. Ugh. No. Message. (laughs) And to think that this is almost from like 1920 and, and, and a hundred years later, I'm talking about this. I'm trying to debunk this that has just been a part of our culture for this amount of time. What those people did is one thing. Because that was 120 years ago. It is exactly. our job as a species to learn and do better. And Thank you. I mean, how long ago was it that they started putting calories on everything? So if you walked into a Tim Hortons yes. or anything, the calories are up there on the board. If you go online now and want to order a meal, right, cal- it's yep. laid out as calories per meal, whatever it is you order, right. if you order the chicken Parmesan, it's whatever it is, 1250 calories for that chicken Parmesan. It, I have a certain amount of PTSD over this because my daughter suffered from anorexia for so many years and right. um, it drives me nuts that we've simplified yep. our health to one number. Yeah. Drives me crazy. So, I mean, I can't do what Mr. Atwater did. He, it was based on the knowledge that he had on the science they had back in 1880 or whatever it was. Now we are smarter. We can take a, we can take a, a washing machine size probe and we can fire it at a moving comet and we can land it on the back of that comet, but we can't figure out how to properly communicate health beyond calories. It, It boggles my mind. Amen to that. Counting calories doesn't take into account any of the complexity of even our digestion. Further to what Chris has said, fast, fast forward to from that early text of what we know and understand now, it is the type of food that we eat that matters. A study that I read a while ago, they took a group of people, split them up. They gave one group a whole food meal is what they called it. So which actually, oddly enough, was real cheese with whole grain bread. And then they took another group and gave them a processed meal, which was white bread and cheese slices, which actually can't be called real cheese because it's not (laughs) Oh no! (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. Yes, it is. There's milk in there. It's still mm-hmm. isn't I, I swear if you turn around that package and let's go back. We're reading packages here. OK, uh, yep. if you turn it around, the first ingredient, is it not milk? I couldn't tell you because I, I, I don't own a package of it. I'd have to go to the supermarket and pick it up and read it. I'm pretty sure it is. And so and the okay. only, so the only reason why I say that is because I, I, I think it's in, it, yes, it is still processed. I can't argue that point, but milk is still the main ingredient. Okay. But you be the judge of what happened with this okay. stuff then knowing, okay. knowing that yeah. there's a bit of real in there, maybe kind of, sort of just about <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> okay. 
So okay. they, they took these two groups and the white bread versus the whole grain bread versus the real cheese versus the processed stuff. And they're exactly the same calories. And the group eating the processed, the not real cheese, you know, like a slice of real mm -hmm. cheese and the white bread had a 50% reduction in calorie burn versus the real group. Okay. So what does that mean? It means that it took so much more for them to burn. So, so basically you've gone for a run, you come back, you have your smoothie, your, your metabolism, you're burning calories. You have a, a rate of calorie burn that's going on. Now, when the people sat down and had the, the whole grain bread versus the white bread, the white bread group, their metabolic rate, the rate at which they were digesting this and breaking it down for energy reduced by 50%. It's going to stay with them twice as long as the other group. It's a numbers game, really. So what you eat is more important than how much you eat. I'm going to say that again, and we need that on a big bumper sticker. What you eat is more important than how much you eat. It comes down to the quality, to the nutrients, to what it is doing for your body. Food, metabolism, weight loss, you know, it typically says that you need to be in a calorie deficient state to lose weight. But that doesn't take into account even things like your hormones and your digestive system. And not only about how you're digesting your meal, but also about those good bugs and those bad bugs in your belly called your microbiome. Now, this is a whole other level that I don't believe is talked about enough, but it's coming. And you also need to know that any inflammation that you've got going on also has, has so much to do with whether, whether you're gaining weight or whether you're losing weight. So it really is not as simple as calories in and calories out. I find this really fascinating. They've been messing around with the microbiomes with mice in particular before they tested out on human. They took the microbiome of an obese mouse and they put it into a slim mouse and without any more calories or without doing anything different with the food, the mouse gained weight. It is insane that the bugs that are in your belly are what also influence whether you can be skinny or obese because it's like a fingerprint. Your microbiome is almost like your fingerprint. And when you've got the fingerprint of obesity, for whatever the reason is that you got there, then that's your fingerprint. And there's more that you can do than just counting the calories from a side of a package. It's kind of crazy, but it's also mind blowing at the same time. It's such a complex subject that the reason why I'm talking about this today, and it's hard to then give you something of what to do at the end of it, but I just want to start, I want to plant these seeds so that you can start to think about, yeah, about doing something different. What I'm saying is please don't think that going hungry is going to work. Sure, you might initially lose a little bit of weight, but it's never, ever sustainable. People who just cut back on food and they don't actually make the changes underneath that or focus on healthy food, they just end up unhealthy and maybe skinny and certainly not happy. Especially if your diets have been of a deprivation type of sort in the past, your body tends to remember that and it switches easily into famine mode and holds on to even more calories because you're eating less. 
Now, while it's really not fair, it's how the body protects itself. We're built to last. And if you start eating a lot less, then your body's going to say, whoa, hang on a minute. Maybe we're in a famine and there's not going to be any more food for a while. So I better hold on to these extra calories because I'm not sure when my next meal is coming. It just loses all confidence in what it is that you're doing and what it is that you're giving. So it's actually a part of our survival mode. So if you're still having a hard time with what I'm saying, and you, the only way that you know how to do this is to restrict some calories, whether you're looking at the numbers or you're just looking at your plate, my top tip is to not reduce anything at all, whether it's numbers or otherwise, more than 15%, because that's when your body trips the switch and moves you into famine mode, and it's going to hold on tight to everything you've got, and you'll find losing weight really difficult or more difficult because how many times have I had a call with a client and they say, I've tried every diet and I'm still not where I want to be. I'm like, right. So that means we're not going to count calories. That means we're going to look at the nutrition of what is going in every single day. So with you here today, my lovely loyal listeners, instead, let's look at healthy ways of eating and making better choices. First of all, What is it that you enjoy most about food? Taste and flavor. Well, that normally ranks pretty high. Of course, there's the nourishment aspect and maybe feeling more energetic from what you're you're eating. Having your mind keeping up with everything that's going on in your day without fogginess or like that tired, drained feeling from hunger. Who doesn't want to be able to focus on whatever task at hand without feeling like you're dragging your butt everywhere you're going? But a question you might not have thought about is what is your goal with what you choose to eat? Most of the time, we just do what we do. It's a habit. You go and grab a bowl of cereal or toast for breakfast. You have a sandwich for lunch and a meat and two veg for dinner. Well, maybe that's what you ate growing up. So it's what you still do. But if you look at what is your goal, do you want to feel satisfied? Both that your tummy's not rumbling all day and that you've eaten something that you like and that you actually enjoy. Is that what your goal is? Is that what drives you? Do you want the energy that the food gives and gravitate towards foods that helps you feel happier because of maybe even some kind of conditioning? Well, for instance, whenever I feel sick or nauseous, in particular from being unwell, maybe it's the night after I've had a drink too many, which doesn't happen anymore because I don't like doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, kind of. I had a glass and a half of red wine last Friday night because it was a big, it was a week last week. I don't know why, but it was a heavy week. And I sat down and I thought, oh, this tastes so good. And I ended up with a headache the next day. Didn't feel (laughs) nauseous, but I just, I can't get away with it anymore. I'm working on my liver. I'm working on my liver. Let's just let the liver know that help is on the way. There's another great bumper sticker. I'm working on my liver. (laughs) I'm working on my liver just so I can eat, drink the lovely wine or anything, really. Because it's lovely, right? I'm not disputing the fact how lovely it is to sit down and have a drink, but I do not feel good afterwards. And holy smokes, if I mix a drink together, I absolutely, my body says, no way, Jose, it's coming out the way it came in, and it's highly unpleasant. So what do I do? What do I do, though? What's my conditioning with that is to never drink again, of course, but 
I go and eat salt and vinegar chips. <laughs> well, that makes sense to me. That's what you're supposed well, to do when you're not feeling, when, when it, you're like, oh, no. Then you go and eat salty, fatty foods because for whatever reason, it's I don't know if it's how we're built in our brains. That's what we crave. Well, to the conditioning point of things is that whenever when I was much younger, we didn't really have much junk food around. We had a bit of pop from the pop shop and we had some chips that were hidden away and I knew where they were. So I'd go and find them. But unless it was like a Friday night chip night, then we didn't get any chips until I felt nauseous and didn't feel well. Then I got a bowl of chips. And of course, what, like a flat, uh, what was it? Ginger ale. So that was the conditioning that's what I was modeled to me. That's what I grew up with. So there can be different foods and different things that we do because of our conditioning, because of what we grew up. When we look at food choices that are not from a number calculation, but why do you choose that food in the first place? What's your driving decision? Chris, what drives you to the freezer, to the ice cream? Anything, everything drives me to the fridge, to the, every, absolutely everything. <laughs> Okay, I don't have this intimate relationship that you talk about where, like, the minute you mentioned what draws you to food, the first thing you yep. said was taste. You had me up yep. to that point. And then you started going off about energy levels and emotional levels. And, like, sorry, you lost me there because my okay. base, my decision on taste. And that's it. What is it? That you're, that you're craving in that moment. Exactly. And if I can't have that, then I'll move off into, you know, I'll grab something else. But in the general sense, I'm an adult. I work hard. I make my own money. I'm a big boy now. I go and get whatever yep. I want. Now, yep. God forbid, should something happen with your health tomorrow, mm -hmm. then that might push you to make a different decision. I think it's human nature in, in the way that I look at things. I'm sort of striving before I get to that point of a kick in the pants of, yep. you know, I don't know that that's a male female thing. I don't know if that's just more unique to some part of the population and other others, but really like you understand that that is the driving force. That's your goal. I want to taste something. I want to, I want to get satisfaction from my food in this way. And that's you, you do you, whatever our loyal listeners are listening, are thinking like, what is it that drives me to food? Just know that and own it. It's not, it's not right. It's not wrong. It's not indifferent. It's just you. And that's okay. I think that's the really important thing. And then trying to fit into a shoebox of calories or some sort of like keto diet or something like that. This is where I find that people fall off the wagon. So whenever I start working with a client, I have to, I say, please just write down your food diary. If you hit a drive through every single day, I want to know that that's what you're doing. And they're like, no, right. I don't want to give a food diary to a nutritionist. This is really not fun. <laughs> I'm going to be so embarrassed. I'm going to feel so shamed. And I say, if I don't know where you're starting or where you want to go, I don't know how to get from point A to point B or help guide you on that way. You said so, yourself that the microbiome in our tummies is like a fingerprint, right? And you're, 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 yes. you're either, a, your microbiome is consistent to a slim body type or an obese or, or larger body type or whatever it is. And so people trying to go out and force it by taking this diet or that diet or whatever it is, it's like, it's an old saying, but it's like trying to put a square peg in a round hole. You're trying Quite. to force something that really isn't going to work. Unless some of the changes that are there, you can 
change the microbiome. You can make those changes and change the fingerprint, change the blueprint that we are. But again, it comes down to what's the goal? What is it that you want? And ask yourself that question, why? Am I just going to try and get into a size whatever because I think it's going to make me happy or I think it's going to help me to find, you know, a partner in life that's the right person for me or whatever? What's the driving force? And until you can be honest with yourself and truthfully answer that question, then you can try every single diet in the bookstore, on the shelf that you can Google, and I don't believe that you're going to get there. So that as a foundation takes all of this number and calorie counting, it blows it right out the window. And at this time of year, I think it's so important to bring this up and to really hopefully make you think, make you question yourself, because this is all about you, yourself and you. Is that, is that right? Like me, myself and I, is that the right thing? You, 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 yourself and you, that's what I'm trying to say there. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Now, I'm like, there's no one size fits all answer here. And I'm not looking for an answer for you. I want you to look for that answer for yourself. Because once you understand what drives you, then that's it. Just do you. Any information and details expressed during this podcast can be found at SproutBright.com or LeannePhillipson.com. Now, I read a quote in a local newspaper lately written by a well-known dietitian. Slight sidebar here. I am not a dietitian. That was not my training. I have different background and different training as a registered nutritionist, just so you know, in case anybody... They throw that word around a little bit and the dietitians don't like that for nutritionists. They like to stick to their, to their own designation and quite rightfully so, they have different qualifications and different training. Anyway, Leslie Beck said that according to a new review of weight loss diets published in the journal Nutrients, the best diet to help people successfully lose weight is one that can reduce Calorie intake focuses on healthy and enjoyable foods and importantly, can be sustained for the long term. What does that mean exactly? Other than the mention of calories in there, enjoyable foods. Well, what are you going to do? Go and eat the tub of ice cream and say, oh, I'm only supposed to have 1200 calories a day. So that's it. I'm only going to eat the tub of ice cream today. Like it just does not add up for me. So like I read that and just thought, oh boy, here we go again. More validation for counting calories is the way to go. Another headline that I read and came across said that the Mediterranean diet was the diet of 2021 for every aspect of your health that you can imagine. Now I'm going to buy into that one a lot more because I know that eating fish, having some chicken and different proteins, some lovely tasty oils, get your fruits, get your vegetables and all your other whole foods going on in your diet during the day. Well, I know what I'd rather be doing rather than looking at the calories and the numbers every day. The use of olive oil, well, that would actually blow any calorie count right out the windows as calories from protein and carbs are typically four calories per gram and fat has about nine calories per gram. So that avocado that you're piling on your morning toast before the egg goes on top because it's your favorite every day. Yeah, if you're calorie counting, you've likely eaten half of your calorie intake right there. What are you going to do the rest of the day? Not enjoy your food or 
not eat anything that's any good? No, go and eat the avocado toast and enjoy. So what are you going to do? I'm telling you all this. Chris is chiming in because we're both pretty passionate about this for all sorts, for different reasons. But I know that really you want to know what on earth am I going to put in my mouth next? Well, it's coming. I know that maybe what you want to do is balance your weight, but you got to ask yourself that question. Why? What is it that you're going to get out of this? What, how are you going to feel when you get to the place that you think you need to be? Maybe you want to shed those unwanted pounds, get to a place where you feel good. Okay, great. If it's more energy, you want to maybe have a drink like me and not end up with a headache every time. Okay, maybe that's it. Maybe your jeans, you think they need to fit or maybe your blood pressure needs to be lower. Whatever it is, please start with the goal and then work back from that. So Chris, you've shared with us that taste is your big thing. I know that lately you've jumped on your treadmill, you've picked up your weights. Is there a particular goal that you had in mind with that? It allows me to keep eating the food, the tasty food that I love. And that, and so I'm thinking, I don't think at all about weight. We don't even have a scale. We don't even have a scale in our home because I have two daughters. As I've, I've said, my one daughter suffered from anorexia for many years. Still, you know, it's something that never really goes away. Um, So we really, really take the emphasis off calories and weight. So I adopt that attitude and just say, you know what? I do it because, (laughs) to be honest with you, part of it is that I'm a little bored. Okay. We're at home. There's not a lot. I mean, I'm working from home, but then I can't go anywhere. I can't see anybody. So there is a slight bit of boredom in there. It's like, you know, I might as well hop on the treadmill. I might as well, you know, sweat it out a little bit. Um, you know, pound on the heavy bag for a little while. That's always nice. very good for the mental health uh, yep. and highly recommended. And so that's part of it. But I, so I get on because I know that my diet isn't the greatest. Okay. So that, that, I mean, it's a long winded answer and that's normal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but if we circle back to the beginning of that thought, I get on because I know that my diet's not the greatest, but I'm not willing to change it. So I add the exercise and the movement to help improve um, my health. Okay, great. I'm so I'm sorry. It, was, it took so long. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that long speech probably burned a few calories in itself. So I'm good. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So further to Chris's genius here, some of the basics that I feel that you need to focus on include good fat versus saturated fat, high fiber versus low fiber, and those refined and more processed foods, the sugar content of anything that isn't natural. So like take an apple versus some apple juice, eating enough protein to help your body build muscle and repair itself, watching the amount of salt in your foods that you're not making at home, or if you are making everything at home, how much salt are you adding to it? Then there's the eating a rainbow of all the colors of fruits and vegetables that you can. And last but not least, hydration, drinking enough water. That really sounds pretty simple, right? Well, it might be simple, but doing that every single day is not always easy. That's because we get into the busy of life. We got the emotional eating, we got the cravings, we've got the hormones, the ups and downs, and of course, the stress. So for the moment, let's just put those things aside and come up with some of maybe what you can do instead of counting those calories to manage your weight if it's not where you want to be. 
So start off, like I said before, what I ask my clients to do is that food diary. Don't go and groan now because it does help. The amount of clients that come to see me and by the time they have the food diary, they've kept it for a few days and they send it off to me. They already kind of know where they're like, wow, I didn't quite realize how much of this I was eating or how much of that I was eating. And it just brings a new awareness to them. So you get to notice what you eat and when, when you maybe want some salty foods, some sweet foods, and even eat when you weren't hungry. And then also, of course, how much have you had to drink or not? Then take one meal and what can you add in it to crowd out some of that process thing? What can you ditch and maybe bring in that has some more fiber to it? Because that's just great for your digestive system and helps to get those extra hormones out of your body if you've got any too much cholesterol or just too much estrogen or whatever it happens to be. That's an easy one when you stay away from, say, white bread and go and buy a whole grain bread. Very easy swap to do. If you're someone who has cereal for breakfast out of the box, then maybe go to oatmeal or try some granola that has some less processing to it where you can actually see like an oat oat flake. If you're an egg in the morning kind of person, then how about making a poached or a soft boiled egg instead of frying that egg up in maybe a vegetable oil or butter, which has a little more saturated fat to it. So it's just one to watch and a nice, easy switch to make. Maybe you could even try making an omelet, throw in two eggs, whip them up, and then put a handful of spinach on top of it, fold it all up while it cooks. And then as you slide it onto your plate, top it off with some salsa. A little side of blueberries, maybe some raspberries because they're all colorful. And that is one rock star breakfast. If a morning yogurt is more your jam, don't go for the lowest fat because it tastes terrible without the fat. And so what do they do? They add way more sugar to it. So a plain, somewhere around about 2% yogurt, less if you want, but a high fat version just means that you have two or three tablespoons instead of like half of the tub because the the fat keeps you fuller for longer. Then you get to jazz it up with some of that granola, blueberries, maybe some chia seeds or hemp seeds if you want to get all geeked out on those extra fibers and extra fats and even actually cacao nibs. I've bought some of those lately and they just had a really nice crunch and flavor to it without being too heavy on the chocolate. You'll be dancing all your way to lunch with something like that. Now, I do love to focus on breakfast first because once you've got that as a solid start to your day, then the rest of your day plays out from there. So for the next week, how about you guys out there who are listening, put your focus there on breakfast. Have a glass of water first thing with half a lemon. Well, that gives your body some extra detox oomph. If you head for the coffee first, can you maybe put less sugar in it or move towards having it black? I've already teed up an episode about coffee with Dr. B on, so that's coming up in the next month for sure. If you nail the breakfast and see how the rest of the day goes, then let me know. Why don't you give us a shout out on SproutWrite's social media channels like Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Leanne Phillipson, you'll find us there too, or either through either of my websites on SproutWrite.com or LeannePhillipson.com. I've been getting some really gorgeous comments lately of things that people are finding that are working for them. And then... I ask for permission first, then I'm going to share it with everybody else so that you can inspire others because that's the point of all of this, I think. For the rest of your day, 
focus on the lower carb and don't worry so much about those fats just to keep your metabolism revving on high. You can add in some seeds, some nuts, some leafy greens like spinach, arugula, watercress, broccoli, or even throw in a handful of peas, edamame beans to your salad or as a side. Try and make things like homemade dressings instead of the store-bought ranch or my personal favorite, which is the blue cheese. I love that one so I don't buy it because otherwise I'll just sit there and go through it. I have been known to just take lettuce and dip it in as a quick snack. I'm not impervious to all of these things too. And the way I handle that is just don't buy it. <laughs> I love it when you show your human side. I love it when, when that humanity comes out in you. <laughs> oh yeah. If we ever have wings, the blue cheese is out. That's when we buy it. I love that together. A nice spicy wing with the blue cheese dressing. Oh my God. If you're counting calories, like I don't even bother. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I like it's two and a half thousand. I don't care <laughs> because I'm doing it and I don't do it often. But when I do it, I do it right. All right. It's time to pivot. We're not talking about calories anymore. Let's talk about wings. What are your favorite wings? <laughs> <laughs> I love the, just the normal hot ones, the hot wings, the whatever, oh, the okay. Frank's hot, the Frank's hot saucy stuff. Yes. Yes. I don't mind. I like them hot too. So Buffalo and I add the hot sauce in there as well. So we're talking hot. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I don't like the, what's the, like the honey garlic and the super saucy drippy ones. Mm -mm. Yeah. Some other ones that I had once from a restaurant not too far away was a dry rub. So it was all like super herby and like kind of spicy with some Cajun stuff going on. Mm. You got the crispiness of the of the skin. Oh, they were so good. The restaurant's not there anymore, unfortunately. I love, anyway, I love, I love, no, 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 let's not go back. No, no. I love the fact that I got you out talking about, you know, awful fatty wings. <laughs> <laughs> but he's trying to convert me people but i'm not going down willingly uh, all right so if you're going to eat those vegetables and you find yourself all gassy and it's not from the wings or from the blue cheese or from the super hot sauce then why don't you try and just steam them and wilt that spinach before you eat it because there are a lot of people out there that are like oh i do not want to eat anything raw because i just end up feeling gassy Make some soup. Maybe that's your new best friend. Make it with some homemade broth. You'll find some recipes for meat broth and veggie broth in my award-winning book, Sprout Right Family Food. And head over to leannephillipson.com and I'm going to share some great recipes like the blender pancakes for breakfast, corn and coconut soup for lunch that has some beautiful coconut milk in it, and a fast dinner of my tuna melt. <music> And thanks so much for tuning in, for listening to me and Chris and all of our crazy that we have going on and all the fun. And I know just as much as I, when I listen back to the episode after Chris works his magic, I end up walking down the street with my AirPods in, smiling from ear to ear because it just, there's something about it. It's just so much fun. So thank you for showing up and being willing to do things differently. Be willing to think differently and take on what I'm suggesting to you. You don't have to, it's a total choice. No one ever changed their life by doing the same thing. So showing up is the first step and then you get to take it from here. So please share this far and wide with your friends, your family, and I think that they might thank you. So let's just pay it forward with that one. Take the link from any of my social media channels and share it to your own network. 
that way, the more people that get healthy and find different ways to think about these things, the better. So with that said, please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time. 